Well, I really have the privilege and the honor to introduce our speaker this morning. I know uh, some of you didn't realize that uh, William was coming, but uh, it just uh, his message is just going to go great with what we're talking about in the book of Mark. And we're just, like Gary was talking about, basically we're just talking about the gospel, you know, the gospel of Mark and the good news about Jesus Christ. Well, <clears throat> William right now is serving in Romania. Uh, he uh, has been there for 13 years. Um, God called him 13 years ago to uh, to work with orphans in this really, I, I say tiny because it's tiny in comparison to other cities there. The city that we lived in was 500,000 people, and he was in a city of 90,000, right, uh, when he first got there. And God called him really to work with orphans there. And so he was working with the orphanage, and um, what he was doing is... Um, I'm sure maybe some of you have heard about what was going on during the um, when communism fell. There were just a lot of uh, orphanages that were just run down and the kids were really being neglected. So the big part of what Willem was doing, he has a background uh, as a PE teacher and he, was a, he had his own gymnasium over in Montana. And so what happened though was he was really working with these kids and just trying to get them healthy in these orphanages. And God called him there for, for many years. And then God called him to start a church. So he actually moved out of this town of Petroshan, moved to where we were at. In fact, we took over his church over in, in the town of Brashov. And I remember I shared that with you guys here. And so he was there for a while in Brashov. Well, then God called him to go to the capital of of Romania, which is Bucharest, and there um, he started a Bible college. So he started Bible college there, and now he's the assistant pastor of the Calvary Chapel Bucharest there, and he's been there for a little while doing that. And God has him doing a variety of different ministries that he wants to, that I'm sure that he'll share a little bit about. But truly what God is speaking to his heart within the last probably two or three years is the gospel. And getting the gospel message out to people. And so, um, William is just a, a fantastic friend of ours. I'm going to invite him to come up here to share with us. And uh, But before we do that, I, I wanted to pray for him. Lord Jesus, we just want to worship and honor you in all that we do, Father. Lord, we just pray that uh, just a tremendous blessing over William right now, Lord, as he as he shares the message that you have for us, Lord. May he just speak the truth today. Lord, and may our hearts be prepared to receive the message that you have for us. And Lord Jesus, would you just continue to bless his ministry? And Lord, would you continue to bless his time here in the States, Lord? And just continue to work on his heart as he is preparing to go back to Romania, Lord. May we be an encouragement to him. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's really good to be able to come up here to Walla Walla. You know, when I was in Romania and I told people I was going to Walla Walla, they looked double-take, like, what? What is that? Walla Walla? What kind of name is that? You know? I said, is it Indian, right? Is that the Indian? Yeah. So, anyway, um, I'm going to share a lot in a short period of time. If, if anybody takes a lot of notes, don't worry. You can get them from my website. My website. If you go to godswill.ro and click on blog, 
The second post down has all the links to the PowerPoints, the notes, and then the top post is my notes for I'm going to be sharing at Kiela's uh, Wednesday Bible study. So if you would like that information, it's there. You can get it, okay? So you can just relax and listen and uh, just let the Lord speak into your heart, okay? So today we're going to be looking at, looking at the big picture. Um, as I did, I started a school in, in Romania, and we did it for a year, but we only had a few students, and we thought, there's got to be a more effective way of this reaching more people in our churches, because in all the Calvaries, there's probably two, 300 people altogether going to the different Calvary chapels in Romania. And so what we did, um, we started this workshop series where we'd go Friday and Saturday, and I'd go around to the different north and south, different parts of Romania. And as I did this for a few years, um, I finally sat down one day and said, you know, I want to make a framework of what the big picture is so that can help me determine what things I should be teaching in this workshop. And so I spent about a month just really thinking about this, praying, and studying. And so it's very simple, but I want to share that with you today, what I came up with. And I hope it'll be um, good for you, too, edifying. And so um, it'll do basically two things. It's going to help us to answer two questions that we all have in life. The first one is, what is the purpose of life? Right? And the second one is, what is God's will for me? When we know the big picture of what it's all about from God's perspective, that should help us to determine what we should make priorities in our own lives. Now, it's not going to give you the specific things like you should work in this job or this, but it'll give you the big picture. Okay? And so let's, um, let's understand why. The reason it's important to know the big picture is that we go through life very confused a lot of times. Because is life busy? Yeah? Are we in information overload these days? Yes. And is this world getting nuts? When I look on the news, I'm thinking, Lord, how much longer? When are you coming back? So you have all that going on. So, you know, we just got to get, you know, get through all the clutter and all the noise and, and focus on what's important. And so maybe I can help you a little bit. You're going to know this stuff, but at least you'll be encouraged. If it's new to you, then great. But if you, it might just be a reminder as well. So let's see if it'll help us that way. So today we'll be taking, like I said, a closer look at the big picture, and hopefully you'll come away knowing better what you should be focused on in your own life. And, you know, as you get this information, let the Lord work in your heart. As you see that, just let the Spirit speak to you. Okay? So I want to go over some dangers first before we go on. Um, you know, there's things that prevent us from, we can hear this, all this message, and it'll just go, boom, right? Because there's things that are in our lives that prevent us from really hearing what God has to say. And it's all around us. And so you know the frog in the kettle? Everybody know the frog in the kettle? You know the story, right? right you throw that frog in a, in a boiling pot of water, what's it going to do? It's going to jump out because it's a smart frog. All right? But what happens if you put a frog in cold water and slowly turn it up? Huh? What's going to happen to that frog? It's going to be boiled. All right? And it will die. But do you know what? There are things in our culture that affect us the same way. Did you know that you're immersed in a culture that is boiling you to death? That has been slowly and just gradually changing the way you think about life and taking you away from the things that the Lord would want you to know? And we're all affected, every one of us. Um, it became very aware of, for me when I went on the mission field. You know? So let's look at a few of the dangerous influences. I'm not going to look at them all, but we're going to look at five. Right? The first one is materialism. Now, the, this, for me, when I first came back, I was in a coal mining town, a communistic version of Appalachia. Right? I had to buy most of my stuff on the open market. Right? There would be a side of beef hanging up, and there would be flies on it. And you know what I'd say? I'd look at that, and I'd go, I like my meat in plastic. <laughs> so I had a hard time. It was quite an adjustment for me. We heated with coal. You know? So it was a different life from what I was used to. But So I come back to America after a few years, 
and I couldn't believe how the materialism here, how bad it is, because you have to get away from it before you realize it. So I came back, and I was very honest. I was very nauseous at just how materialistic we are. But you know what happened? After a month of being back, man, I'm just back into it, you know? So you guys, are, you guys are just not aware of that. But I'm just telling you, for people that go out of this country and come back, they are aware of that. Right? So you guys are being affected by this, and it's affecting the way you live your life and what you think about. You know, because, you know, the pursuit of things is an American way of life. Right? Second thing is individualism. Our country, we pride ourselves in being individuals. But you know what? Um, that's not the way God created things to be. He created us to be a family. And so this is contrary to the way of God. Right? Third, relativism. You know, what you think is good for you and what I think is good for me, you know, there's no right and wrong. We, you know, que sera, sera. That's not true, is it? If there is a God, there is right and wrong. And we should not allow the, our culture to influence us to be like this. You know, we should be seeking truth at all times. Fourth is pragmatism. And we all can live like this. We take and we do what we want to do or we do what we do because of the results it gets. We don't take any moral decisions in, 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 in factors in when we make our decision. We just decide, well, if this will work, I'll do it. And, you know, and a lot of times we do things that are not quite honest or... Um, uplifting or even honoring God. So these things, uh, we can let the, our, our culture influence us. And if you take all four of those and combine it in number five, this is why I think number five is the combination of all those things, is consumerism. We are consumers. We look at life as consumers. And that's not the way God intended his people to be. We're to be servants, not consumers. And uh, we can approach church like McDonald's. We come to church, we look at the menu, and we say, oh, okay, I got that program for my kids. But we're not even thinking about, where do I fit in? How do I serve? It's all about me, right? So that's a danger that we have because we've influenced and we don't even realize it. So let, just be shooken up a little bit, maybe, hopefully right now, and let God open you up to what he wants for your life. Okay? So these influences, look at it. You become, if you let these influences get to you, you become very worldly in your focus. You're looking at the things of this world, and you're self-centered. And you live by the world's trinity. Do you guys know what the world's trinity is? Right? Not yet. Uh, the world's trinity is three things, right? World's trinity. Me, myself, and I. That's the world's trinity. And that's why most people live. That's the God they live for, that trinity. Okay? So let's go on and look. So see what it is. We live life like it's my story. Like for me, you guys are all just bit players in my story. You know? I'll go somewhere else and there'll be no actors in my story. And we go through life this way where we think everybody's there for us. It's because it's about me. Right? But it's not the way we're supposed to be. God doesn't want to, uh, you know, well, here's the thing I should say. We want God to become part of our story. You know, we become Christians and say, God, do this, God, do that, God, do this, God, do that. But that's not what he intended. What he intended was for relationship. He made us for relationship. And to be in a God-honoring relationship where we look to him, to serve him, to love him. And when we're in that right place, then we have the best kind of relationship with God that we can. That's what we were created for. We weren't created to be our own gods. We were created to serve the living God. All right, so let's look at Romans 11:36. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. All right, so what? We're created by God for who? For God. Right? So that's what you were created for, for him. Right? Now, so it's not about my story. You see this? We don't have it. It's not about our story. But what's it about? What is it about? It's about his story and about you becoming part of his story. 
So again, what happened in the beginning? Adam and Eve wanted to have their own story. Right? And that's when things got messed up. And if you live for your story, your life's going to be messed up too. You need to become part of his story. All right? It's about Jesus. So you know what I want to do? Spend a few minutes looking at some verses where Jesus actually talks about it being about him. Okay, so let's first look at um, John 5.39. And here's talking to the Pharisees here. You search the scriptures because you think that they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. So, you know, they're looking at, they think that they, if they have some system, some kind of ways of doing things, that they'll have this life. But it's not. It's to, it all points to Jesus. Right? And then we have like Luke 24, verses 25 through 27. And this is on Emmaus Road after Jesus resurrected. And he's walking with those guys on the road. He says, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explained from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, I would have loved to have been at that Bible study. That would have been very interesting. You know? but, so what's it all about? Huh? It's about Jesus. And so here's the way I look at the Bible and how it fits into Jesus. So first of all, you have the Bible, right? But the Bible helps us to understand the gospel. And the gospel is the context for really understanding Jesus. So think of it as like a funnel. You know, the Bible gives us the big picture of everything, but it's helped us to understand the gospel. Even in the Old Testament, you can go to places like Isaiah, and you'll see verses in there that really help you to understand repentance. Because God says to them, you know, through Hosea, you wail on your breads, but you don't turn your hearts towards me. There's a picture of repentance. It's about our turning of our hearts. So you learn a lot about the gospel in the Old Testament. Right. So, but it's all pointing to Jesus, right? Jesus told us it's all about him. So let's look at some other verses that talk about Jesus as well. Right. Let's look at Hebrews 1, verses 2 and 3. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Okay, so first of all, what do we see there? He's going to inherit everything. He's going to own everything. In the end, Jesus owns everything. Right? He made everything, right? and he holds it together by his word. You know, science don't understand why Adam stay together, but we have this right in this verse. Jesus keeps everything together. Let's look at another, some other verses. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 33, and then I added 46 at the end of it there. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him... Then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. So not only is he the creator and the heir, but he's the judge. He is going to judge everyone. Okay. So another verse verses, let's look at Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, Jesus also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. So not only is he a creator, not only does he hold things together, not only is he going to inherit everything, and not only is he a judge, but he's the king forever. Right? So what does this say? What's it about? 
It's about Jesus. Everybody say this. Say it after me. I'll say it first, and you say it. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Okay, one more time louder. It's about Jesus. If you can keep that one truth in your head all the time, it's going to help your life a lot. So let's look at the big picture. This is how I came up. This is the conclusion I come up with what the big picture looks like. So you have Jesus, which is connected to the gospel, to the church, and to mission. Now, you know, Jesus came down to make the gospel possible. He's the one who brought it in. But through the gospel, we come to Jesus. Correct? Jesus is the head. We look to him for the church, but he directs the church. So it's always connected to him. And then his mission. You know, it's his mission. We look to Jesus for the mission, and he empowers us. He gives the gifts and everything through the Holy Spirit to do his mission. But here's one thing I want you to remember. Whenever you see Jesus, remember this. The Father and the Holy Spirit are there as well. Never is there a point when Jesus is by himself. So wherever you see Jesus, you know the Holy Spirit and you know the Father are involved as well because the Trinity is always connected. Here's an example of how it works out in the Gospel. In the Trinity and the Gospel, you start with the Father. He established the eternal plan of salvation and sent his Son. Second, Jesus fulfilled the plan and accomplished redemption for man. And third, um, the Spirit applies the benefits of Jesus' atonement to believers. So do you see in the Gospel that they're all working? And in everything they're working. So always remember, we see Jesus. So we go back to our our, um, framework here. And one of the things I just want to briefly look at it here is just briefly, and then we'll look in detail each one. So the gospel is the starting point for us. This is how we enter into relationship with God. You know, um, we're separated. You know, all we have to look forward to is judgment day and being sent into hell and the wrath of God being poured out on us. That's the eternal destiny of every person apart from Jesus Christ. And if you don't turn in your, from your sin and you don't put your trust in Jesus, that's where you're going to stand in eternity. But the gospel is not the end point. The gospel, when we enter into relationship with Jesus, it brings us to be part of his church. Right? And then, as we're a part of his church, we're to be on his mission. The church is the instrument by which God does his mission. So let's um, take a look at gospel real quick. So I'm going to, this is the area I really love. Like Gala told you, I study a lot about the gospel the last probably four or five years uh, I have a gospel website in Romanian. I've started a gospel media ministry. I do workshops on the gospel in Romania. So I like the gospel. All right? So I'll show you some of the things I've, I've learned. And most of you probably know these things, but they're also good reminders. Why is the gospel important? Let's look at Luke 4.43. But he replied, this is Jesus, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. Well, you know what was happening? He was healing people and giving food, and everybody wanted Jesus to stay. And they could try to keep him for themselves. And he says, no, 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 I, I came here. I have, a, I, have a, I, have a, you know, I have this message that the fathers told me to send. So if Jesus came to bring this message, just that itself makes it important, doesn't it? The Father sent him to come and bring a message. And so if it's important for Jesus, then it's important for us. Right? The next one is Romans 1.16. I want to tell you, this verse has really impacted my life. In fact, my friends in Romania, for my birthday, they know it. I always say it all the time. So they made this nice frame picture, and they put the verse on there for me with flowers in the background. So I have this on my house, uh, my apartment. But this, is a, this really affected me, this verse. Um, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Well, first of all, when is salvation done? Think about that. It's not when you accept Jesus. Salvation will not be done until the new heavens and earth and the new Jerusalem comes down and the Father is with us forever. That is the day salvation is done. 
So until that day, the only power we have access to is the gospel. Okay? Do you understand that? It's the only power in life to help us to become what God wants us to be. And um, the, you know, I don't have time to go into all the details, but if you see, Paul's always wanting to preach the gospel, even the people he's already preached it to. So you know that it's really important. Okay? So let's look. Here's a definition I came up with on the gospel. The gospel is the good news of what God has done through his son Jesus Christ to restore his reign and rule over all creation and bring reconciliation to all those who repent and place their trust in Jesus. So this is a simplified definition, but it gets the main ideas. Now, if there's anyone in here, if you've never known for sure if you've really repented and put your trust in Jesus, I encourage you to do so. Right? You have Your eternal destiny hangs in the balance. Do not put this off. If God is speaking to your heart, don't be afraid, but to turn to Jesus and put your trust in him. And if you need to talk to me or anyone else that here, just please do so afterwards. All right, so here's aspects of the gospel. This is the way I look at it. This is the way I'm wired. First, you have understanding that leads to believing. It's not enough just to understand the gospel. You have to believe it. Right? Then the second thing is we need to learn to live the gospel. And there's, there's things we can do, and I'll share that in a couple of minutes. Then third, we need to proclaim the gospel. And fourth, we need to defend the gospel. The word they use, the you know, Greek word is apologetics for that. Right? So understanding the gospel. Here's the things I think you should do. You should always be growing in your knowledge and understanding the gospel. You never stop growing in this. Right? Um, I encourage you, you know, I even have like a, I have a page on Facebook called Christlinks where I put all the best articles on the internet about the gospel on there. So if you're on Facebook, just go to put Christlinks in and you can get those in your, hit like and then you can get those in your news feed. Alright? You should be able to write out the gospel in your own words. And also, you should be able to clearly explain the gospel to others uh, orally. If you can do these things, you already understand it. And I encourage all the churches in Romania to have all their people in their church do these things. Right? You should be able to explain the gospel to someone. And if you don't know how, then learn. Okay? I encourage you. Because it will affect your life and it will affect those that you talk to. These are the words of life. All right? So you never leave the gospel to go on to other things. You only go deeper. Remember that. It's just the, it's the area that we need to focus in on our lives. All right. Oh, I forgot I even put the Christlix. There it is. So you just hit like, and you can have it. All right. The other thing is, I'm famous on Google. I didn't think any of you knew that, did you? All right. Well, not many people do, but I do. I know. You know, I finally found out. Uh, if you put definition of the gospel in Google search, I am in the top five of like seven million. Pretty good, huh? <laughs> Not bad for a little guy from it. So by the, down at the bottom, that's what it would look like. It said God's will, definition. Because my website is God's will. My blog is God's will. You know, because I am God's will. You know, my name's Will, and I give my life to God, so I'm God's will. <laughs> so if any of you have problems, like someone comes up to you and says, do you know God's will? You go, matter of fact, I do. <laughs> All right. So let's look at living the gospel. Here's some things that I would encourage you to think about and to learn about. First of all, you need to learn to preach the gospel to yourself every day. Remind yourself. Think about these realities and so that it, your life, that day, flows out of that reality, out of those truths. Because it's so easy to forget, isn't it? Huh? And we get distracted. And you know what? Satan doesn't want us to focus on it. Right? Because then we're more vulnerable. But remember, it's the power of God for salvation. Remind yourself. Preach it. All right? Live based on the truth of who you are in Christ. As we learned earlier from Gary. Was that Gary, right? You know what? You are either, if you're in Christ, you're either a prince or a princess. You, your father's a king. All right? Live like it. All right? Um, 
Live a cruciform life. A lot of people have never seen this word. I, I remember the first time I saw it, I was going, what is that? But you know what it means? It's a life shaped by the cross. Right? Remember what Jesus said? He said something about, huh, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. That's what that is. You need to learn to apply that to your life. Right? How does the cross apply to us? How do we say no? And you know what? You know, as Americans, it's very hard for us to say no. And just general human beings, it's hard to say no to what we want. But you know what? That's what God wants us to say no to ourselves and say yes to God. And as we learn to do that, even though it's hard at times, we become more and more like Jesus. All right, last thing, live a life of repentance and faith. How do you become a believer? Repentance and faith. How do you deal with sin in your life now? Repentance and faith. It's the same. You can't just try hard. Anybody ever do that? You try, don't you? Does it work? No. Maybe it might for a few weeks or something, and then back to the old stuff. So what we need to do is when we do sin and we struggle with sin in our life or we mess up, we just need to turn in our hearts back to Jesus. Confess to him, man, I'm weak in this area. I am sinning. Um, but then remember, remind ourselves of the gospel. He paid the price for all of our sins. We can come to him and we can ask him, Lord, help me with this. I know you've taken care of it, but I don't want this stuff in my life anymore. It's not good for me. So please come by your power of your spirit, work in my life. So then, you know, then he can work. And he, how he works is different in everybody. Sometimes, you know, have you had things where God takes away right away? Yeah, I have. Have you had other things that he never seems to take away? Guess why? He wants you to always be aware that you're a sinner, okay? And that you are never going to fix yourself, right? So it's to keep you humble before him so you don't become so prideful. Because if we got rid of all our sin, we'd be so prideful. We couldn't be, you know, people wouldn't want to be around us. We want to start workshops saying five steps to being a perfect person like me. You know? Okay. All right. Proclaiming the gospel. Here's the things I think you should know. Right. First of all, no, but know that you can't do anything without the Holy Spirit when it comes to sharing the gospel. So our part is prayer. You need to be praying when you're talking to people. Pray. In fact, I was in, Bo- in Boise this week, you know, for Calvary Chapel there, and I was in their Red Letter Cafe, and this guy just comes up to me and says, "I want to talk to you." He said, I'm not a Christian, but I sense God wants me to talk to you. And that just blew me away, you know. But I like it when God does things like that. It kind of blows me. It's just great to see God work that way. But we always need to be ready. And when he's talking to me, I'm starting to pray. Lord, how can I minister to this guy? How can I encourage him? All right, the gospel. Know it well. I already told you what you should be doing. You should learn to write it out and to speak it to people. Know it really well so that you're not just going up to people and you're just uh, repeating some memorized statement. Because right? when you do that to people, they, that's, they don't like that, do they? But if you really know it well, the Holy Spirit can take you and have you minister the, the gospel as it's needed in that situation. Okay, so know it well. Third, your testimony. Your story, okay, life before Christ, how you came to Christ, life after Christ. And don't try to make it sound like your life is perfect now. Right? Let them know that you still struggle, that you're still a human being and God's still working on you. Um, and also, your life is actually a testimony. The way you live is going to say a whole lot more than your words about what you really believe. Right? So let your life be a testimony as well. Now, defending the gospel. I'm going to share with four questions that you should be able to answer. That, and I see, you know, I, I go out in Romania and I do a lot of like survey things with young people or, you know, out on the parks or the, actually my favorite place is this uh, near subway entrance where all the young people, they come and hang out there to wait for their friends. And so these are the kind of questions I have found over time that I need to know and answer when I talk to people. So, why believe in God? Second is, why believe that the Bible is the Word of God? 
And third is, why does God allow evil and suffering? This is a big one. Let me tell you. I have lots of people come up to me on this. And that's what they try to, you know, they, want, they don't want God, so they bring this up. You know? And the fourth one is, why does God send people to hell? I think if you have answers to these, you'll be pretty equipped. Not, you won't be perfectly, but it's a good start. All right? And you can find this information on, there's lots of good apologetic websites in this country. Steve does apologetics. You know, he can probably point you to some. But I, what I do is I read, um, I, I went on these, all these different websites and read the best stuff I could find. And I actually asked permission, and I put it in Romanian, translated in Romanian, and I put it on my website. And that's where I get the most hits on my website is why believe stuff. And so usually I get 100 page views just on the, the apologetic type articles on my Romanian site. All right, so let's look at the church. This is the next. So the gospel is, doesn't bring us just to be saved and to get out of hell, but it brings us to be part of God's family in the church, and that's what we'll see here. But let's look at Ephesians 3, 10, and 11 first. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus came to preach the gospel, but he also came to start the church. And we see in there that this was God's plan before he created the universe. Right? So the church is God's plan. Okay? There is no plan B. Right? A lot of times people don't like the church because it's full of sinners. All right? But those are, you know, what do, you, do we like everybody in our own families? Come on, we don't. So how do you expect to do it in the church? Okay? All right, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 and 27. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. In verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you has a part in it. All right? Christ's body, what is that? That's the church. And what does it say? You have a part. Right? Do you take that by faith, or do you just say, I'm, I'm, I'm worthless, I can't do anything? That's the way I was. You know when I became a Christian, you know what I said? I'm being honest here. I'll do anything you want, Lord, but don't ever expect me to get in front of people and teach. <laughs> does he have a sense of humor, or what? Right? He, I guess he likes those challenges, so be careful about what you tell God not to do with you. Okay? <laughs> All right, so let's look at um, three examples from the Bible. There's more. There's a lot more uh, metaphors that he uses in the Bible. But we have first the bride of Christ. You know, we have intimacy. He's, we're, he's our, like our husband and we're his, his bride. There's supposed to be intimacy in our relationship. We're the body of Christ, which you already looked at. You know, we're connected. We're supposed to be organically connected to one another. We each have different expertise, responsibilities, giftings that help us the rest of the body. And third, my favorite one is the family of God. You know, we are a spiritual family. You know, when Jesus uh, went to the mountain to pray about who he's going to choose for his disciples, here's what I see. God gives him a list. Okay, I'm just imagining this. God gives him the list of the people, the guys, the zealot, the tax collector. Father, what are you doing? This is not going to be easy. He goes, that's the point. I want them to realize it takes a miracle. You know, I have to work. God has to work. You know, and that's what he's doing in the churches. That's why all you guys are together. Right? It's to show God is glorified because as you submit to each other, you die to one another, and you serve, you become more like Christ, and you, use, and you grow, and uh, you, you're a miracle, and you point to Jesus. Okay? All right, again, the Trinity is our guide for our relationships with one another in the church. All right? We are created in God's image, correct? All right? So part of that is Trinitarian. Okay? There's, there's something about relationship. We're connected with relationship. Well, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, it doesn't, he doesn't point to himself. He points to others. So that's something we should take from that. We, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. Okay, point to him. 
Um, Jesus, what did he do? He obeyed the Father. He submitted himself. So these are things we can learn by their example and apply it in our lives with one another in the church. All right, so here's a few definitions of the church. The church is a community of people who belong to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Very simple. This next one I really like. It's by Jonathan Dodson. The church is not a perfect product or service with a money-back guarantee. It is a community of imperfect people clinging to a perfect Christ who are being perfected by grace. I just love that. That's really what a church is. And here's another one. Uh, The church is God's people, who we are, saved by God's power, what he has done and is doing for God's purposes, the good works which good works he created us in Christ Jesus to do. So again, that last part shows us that that's our mission. You know, we have a purpose. We have a reason for existing as a church. All right? And the, the next one is the church is a light, a city on a hill before a watching world. Now, in Romania, I can't really use this as an example very often, but here I can. You know, you guys all see, when you go to a new subdivision, they usually have a model home, don't they? To show you. And it all looks really good, doesn't it? It looks really nice, nice furniture. And, it, you know, the furniture you can never afford, but it still looks very nice. And, you know, but it gives you an idea what this could look like in, in, its, in its ultimate, you know, state. Well, do you know what? We are like a model home to the world. We are showing people what it means, what it looks like to follow Jesus and what it means to be a part of God's family. That's what the church is. It's a light. It's a, it's a model home for the world to see. So they see what God's world is like. If they don't want it, that's fine, but it's going to draw some people to it. All right, let's go on to the last part, to mission. This is the hardest thing, I think, for us to really comprehend. We're easy with the gospel and somewhat with church, but we a lot of times don't realize that we're here for a purpose. And so what I want to share with you is the the mission, the goal, and the purpose. And we'll start, go from the bottom up. And um, first of all, we know this one, making disciples of all the nations. Are we familiar with that, right? Most of us. Okay, so if that's our mission, what is the goal? Okay, the goal is... Expanding the kingdom of God. But what is the ultimate purpose in all of these things? It's to bring glory to, to Jesus and the Father. Did you, did you recognize all the times or re- realize all the times those verses at the beginning, how many of those verses I shared talked about bringing glory to God? All right? That's the ultimate purpose of life is to bring glory to God. So we'll look at these a little bit. You know, right, let's start with the mission. Did you know that each, we are, we're familiar with Matthew 28 as being you know, the mission statement of making disciples. But every gospel writer wrote a, a, a commission type of sentence. or There's something in what they wrote about Jesus saying go. Right? We're going to look at those. Right? Now, so here's the one we're familiar with, Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So as he say, go, go, make disciples. So let's look at Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So here's another commission, right? Go. It's part of the same thing. But it's funny how each, each writer of the Gospels looked at it just a little different. They emphasized a little different thing. So here it's go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. And that word for every creature is like, it's just a way of saying, I want to make sure you get every single person out there. And let's not leave anybody out. You know, most of the time we are comfortable with people that are like us, but people are way different than us. We don't want to say anything to them. I don't know what it would be here. In Romania, it's gypsies. Right? A lot of people don't want to have anything to do with gypsies. And in Montana, it was Indians. Right? So there's always a group of people that we tend to... But you know what? God, God died for them as well. 
So let's go to every creature. Okay, now I'm going to share from Acts 1.8, but it's similar to what he said in Luke 24, but it just sounds, it's worded better. So I, I, I emphasize that, but it's still, he's, Luke wrote this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So you know, that one of the main things, before I do a summary of this, do you know what? It said go. It doesn't say make a nice church and wait for people to come. All right? Does it say that? No. It says Go. You have to go out. Go out to your neighbors. Go out to your family, your community. Go, go, go. All right, so, and here's the last one for John. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So we have the model. Jesus is our model for how we go out. He went out dependent on the Father. He trusted him. He preached the gospel. He loved people. He helped them. All right, so look to Jesus if you want to know how to preach the gospel. All right, so here's my summary. We are to go out in the power of the Holy Spirit and proclaim the gospel and make disciples of all those who respond to the gospel. So who said this was our mission? Who says this? Jesus. It's not pastors. It's not anybody in this world. Jesus said this is our mission, to go, preach the gospel, make disciples. So let's look at the goal and look at some verses. Matthew 6, verses 10 and 33. And we're familiar with this from the, the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And what's he saying this in response to? People are worried about, well, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What, where am I going to live? And what does Jesus say? Oh, I understand. Go ahead and do that stuff first. No. <laughs> he says, make the kingdom your priority, and I'll take care of you. You have to trust me, though. You're going to have to exercise faith. Lord, increase our faith. Um, Ephesians 1, verses 20 through 22. And we've seen a verses similar to this, but again, I just want to emphasize Jesus in this. Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. Right. So who's, who's the king of this kingdom? Jesus. Right? He wants us about his kingdom work. You know, we're making disciples. And as we make disciples, we're expanding his kingdom. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in a bit. So our goal is to bring the reign and rule of God over all aspects of creation. So it doesn't mean just the gospel, but how does the gospel apply to life? It talks that, that implies justice. It implies taking care of the poor and those hurting, those who have been abused by sin, you know. So when we talk about kingdom work, it, it, it involves everything in creation. All right? So who said this was our goal, though? Okay. Right. I'm not telling you this, right? I'm just reminding you. It's Jesus who's telling you. All right, so our purpose. Uh, Ephesians 3.21. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then from 2 Corinthians 4.15, As God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. So as we preach the gospel, as we make disciples, as the kingdom is expanded, more people are going to realize that they, how bad of sinners they were and that Jesus died for them, and they're going to be giving glory back to God for all of what he's done. So as we do this, we're ultimately serving the ultimate purpose is to bring glory to God. All right, so that is the ultimate purpose of all we do is to bring glory to God. But when God is glorified, people worship him. So that's our response to God's glory is we worship. And that's the way it will be in all of eternity as well. 
So what is glory? See, what is glory? Well, here's from John Piper. I, you know, John Piper is a guy that has written a lot about the glory of God. And so here's his definition. The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of his manifold perfections. You know, it's actually really hard for me to figure a good definition of glory. It's something you experience more than you can uh, describe by words. You know, like um, seeing a beautiful photo, uh, painting or something. It's when you, when you see it, it touches you in such a way profoundly. And as we see God's glory, it touches our hearts deeply. Right? All right, the t- in the Westminster Confession said, the chief end of man is to glorify, glorify God and enjoy him forever. Huh? That's, that's, our, you know, that's our purpose in life, is just to glorify God. So here's God's will. I'm going to summarize God's will for us. You know? um, I told you at the beginning to answer what is God's will for us. So here is a summary of these things we've looked at. Our mission is to share the gospel in order to make disciples of Jesus who love God and people. So yes, ultimately, we're trying to make people like Jesus. And what is that? They love God and they love people. All right, the goal is to expand the kingdom of God by bringing the love of God to the world. You know, and the gospel is love, too. The gospel is the ultimate love. All right, purpose, to bring glory to Jesus and the Father so they may be worshipped. So again, I've said this already. So this final, the final uh, slide here is, again, just a reminder to look at the big picture. Um, keep this in your mind, and as you make decisions about life, think about how, how do they fit into these, these categories here. So here's one thing I want you to do. It's that gospel. Here's my saying I say to, at all my workshops. Take a hold of the gospel so Jesus can take a hold of you. Until you take a hold of the gospel, nothing's going to happen in your life. You need to take a hold of that truth, that reality, and let your life flow from it. Right? And don't just go to church. Be the church. Right? Don't just look at it as something you do over there, but you're actually part of it. You have a responsibility in it. Right? And the third thing, you are all called by Jesus, to join him on his mission to rescue this world. Do you know that that's what the word salvation means? Rescue. Imagine if you were uh, on a boat in the middle of the ocean and it sunk and you're by yourself. And and for thousands of miles there's nobody. And then all of a sudden you hear a helicopter coming. Wouldn't that be good news? Well, see, all of us are sunk in an ocean of sin. And until they can hear the helicopter, how to hear Jesus coming, there's no good news. They're without hope and without God. Don't let the world be like that. Get out there. Be bold. Don't be afraid. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here. And I do pray, Lord, that you would use these words in in our lives, that this is your heart for people to take a hold of the gospel, to to be about your um, being your church and to be on your mission. I pray, Lord, that you would not allow us to um, let the world become our priority or to be afraid but rather give us boldness and courage and let us go forwards uh, to bring glory to you. In your power only we will do this, Lord. So give us your power. Give us the gifts of the Spirit we need. And may we see your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, by the way, if anybody wants, I have uh, some uh, brochures about my ministry there. Stay right here. All right. So uh, just real quick, again, just reminder of Will's brochure. There's some back there that you can take a look at. A lot more information for you. Um, also, Will's going to be with us the whole week. So pray for us. All right. No, <laughs> just 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 teasing. No, but seriously. No. All right. But um, if you guys want to hang out with Will, you know, he has he has time. That's all he has on his hand is time. All right. We have some chores for him to do. He doesn't know yet, but. Um, I'm sure we, he can get away from his chores and, and hang out with you. So give me a call or you guys can meet us after. On Wednesday night, Will is going to talk a little more about the gospel, 
and uh, and things like that over at our house. Um, and also, he's going to talk a little bit about Romania. And that's going to start at 5.30. We're going to do a potluck. Uh, William likes uh, Mexican food, so we're going to do a Mexican-themed potluck. So if you want to bring tortillas and chips and whatever else you think, that would be wonderful. So at our house at 5.30, please join us. <laughs> All right. And then, um, then also, I want to invite you on Friday morning at 8.30, Will is actually going to be sharing here at the school for our students. But I want to invite you, and you can invite your friends. But what he's going to be focusing on there is actually the ministry that Calvary Chapel Bucharest has to the gypsy community. What they do there is they actually reach out to these kids and um, they help them with their homework, they wash their clothes, and they feed them. All right? And so I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but when you see these gypsy kids, it's, I mean, it's heart-wrenching. I tell you, it is heart-wrenching. All right? And so if you want to come, and he has some slides on, on that also through the church there. And so if you want to come and watch that and uh, partake in that, that's great. But I encourage you in this. You know, William talked about relationship, right? That's why he's here with us, is to encourage you in your relationship with Christ. Right? But at the same time, I believe in just relationships with each other. Like, you know, I drove all day yesterday to go and get Will. And when I saw him, it was like, um, like we haven't seen each other in... I mean, it was like I just saw him yesterday. It's no different. You know, he's my brother in the Lord. I love him. And this morning when we woke up, it was like we were in our, apart in our apartment in Romania. We're eating cereal and just sitting there and talking about the Lord. I mean, that's how these relationships work through the Lord. So I just encourage you, um, you know, God's putting on your heart to build a relationship here with Will. So um, let's all stand and we'll pray for Will and then... We'll take off, all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just, again, come to you with such a thankful and grateful heart. Lord, just for the truth of your word, that truly the scriptures just speak of you. But right now, Lord, I want to lift up William to you and his ministry that, uh, that you've called him to there in Romania. Father, I pray just a tremendous blessing on him, Lord. May, you, may he continuously be filled with your spirit. May you empower him to go out and minister to the people of Romania. Encourage him. Love him. And may you continue uh, to use him to make an impact in that country, Lord. Father, I pray for us that you would put this ministry on our hearts, Lord, that we may pray for him, that we may encourage him, that we may keep in contact with him, Lord. Father, ultimately, just like what Will was saying, Lord, that it's about you. It's about you. And if, uh, I just pray, Lord, that we could be used uh, just a little bit to be part of your story. Part of your story. So we love you, Lord. And we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.